we develop this selfish attitude that if I give you advice, you need to take it. Ooh. That is not true. However, the bottom line is all it is, is advice and advice is a suggestion and you can take it or you cannot take it. But we forget to tell people that you cannot take it. And then the people who are giving it to us, they turn around and get on their high horse and get offended when you don't take their advice because they don't understand that there's two sides to the coin, take or not take. If I choose to not take, that's fine. I'm asking you for advice. I'm not asking you for the answer. Welcome to Too Legitimate to Quit, instantly actionable small business strategies with a pop culture spin. I am your host, Annie P. Ruggles, and my guest today is the incredible Keisha Butler-Thomas, also known as Coach Keish. Keisha is a business coach and strategist whose goal is to help you start, build, or scale your small to mid-sized company into a powerhouse player in your industry. Keisha is a wife, dog mom, taco lover, serial entrepreneur, TV host, and international speaker who is super passionate about helping small to mid-sized businesses flourish into becoming the companies they dream of being. Keisha is proud to be a master, a certified master life coach, and as I mentioned, is the TV host of the show, Stop Surviving, Start Thriving. Keisha, my darling, what do small business owners need to focus on this week? So first of all, hello, Annie, my darling. I'm so excited to be here with you. Um, So I believe that this week, business owners need to begin going with their gut. Ooh. Oftentimes, I think in business, we are looking for a clear, concise pathway on how we need to do things. And it's really stopping us from achieving true business greatness because we're waiting for the answer, opposed to realizing that sometimes the answers are within us. I think the best way to say it is ignore the rules, right? Mm. Just go with your gut. Because it is your business, it is your brainchild, it is your baby, and so you need to treat it as such. And the only way to do that sometimes is to go with your gut. Yeah, that's totally true and very timely. Like I've been having some real deep talks with my team and my husband and myself about what the non-negotiables of my business are. And one of them is being low ticket, right? One of them is being excessively priced, and a lot of my advisors are really irritated that I continue to double down on that choice. But my gut says it's the right choice for me. It's worked in the past. It can work again even better in the future. I know that. And so I'm following my gut and I'm doubling down. For me, it's on pricing. What's something that you've had to go with your gut on, Keisha? So for me, a lot of it has been in this transition to being an online coach. I never considered myself to be an online coach because in my practice, 
I've always gained clients organically. I've been a face-to-face networker Mm -hmm. um, my entire career. So needing to switch over um, on the onset, during the onset of the pandemic, really made me see um, that I needed to, although I didn't want to, I needed to do that. Um, Mm -hmm. I needed to start to show up online, build my digital footprint, um, which I didn't really have prior to the pandemic. I mean, of course I had a business page. Like who doesn't have a business page, right? Right. But I wasn't active. I wasn't consistently posting content. And a lot of the content posting and creation was nerve wracking for me because I'm like, I don't know if I'm doing this right. And then, you know, you start having imposter syndrome where you're looking at all these other coaches Mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, this isn't pretty like this or what have you. Um, And then I just realized, go with your gut, Keisha, like go with your gut because you're going to connect your ideal client in that way. One thing that I truly believe is that all of our ideal clients are a piece of our authentic selves. And so I recognized that in my content, I needed to just go with what felt good because I was going to connect with my ideal client in that way. And I'll tell you, this social media thing has been a ride, but- But I've truly enjoyed it um, because I'm just going with my gut. Well, and I think it's amazing that, you know, my my opinion of social media and all of that internetness, because I was also very moored in face to face, right? Mm-hmm. But I think my opinion of what's possible on social media and the kind of connections you can have and the kind of impact you can make has definitely changed. You know, this episode is going to come out in May, but right now we're sitting here on March 4th. That's like day 358 of lockdown for us in Chicago. We locked down on March 12th. So it's definitely had to change. But what's been really incredible is that like you and I met on social media. Yep. And we followed up on a different social media platform and we fell in love (laughs) in the DMs of that social media platform. And now here we are. And so what I'm seeing is when people are reaching out for others and they're really focused on that core peace and they're really focused on the truth of them and they're calling out to those ideals with clarity and passion, you are still going to be able to make the impact that you made. It's just different. It's just a different mechanism. And one thing that's been so incredible is that it's blown up. You know, I've had clients around the U.S. for a long time. I have clients in Israel now. I have clients in Australia now. Like, What? I never could have foreseen that the pandemic, which drove me into my house, would take my business global. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And I can definitely attest to that. Right. So my my business model has always been virtual. Um, I've been using Zoom before Zoom was even a thing. Mm -hmm. Right. That's that's always just been the way that it that that I've used it. But to your point, I now am a global business coach. I have clients all over the world really because of the pandemic and being yeah. able to connect to people. So one, one of the things that's like almost like six in one hand, half dozen in another is being on lockdown in the house, right? Mm-hmm. Because it allows for more time to engage in things like social media. So if you're using it intentionally, because I truly do believe that social media can be a great tool if it's used with intention. So if you're using it intentionally, you can really get a lot of information and resources that 
are going to help propel you forward. But um, again, you have to be using it in that way, right? Like we can't go down the rabbit hole of cat videos like we all do at some <laughs> time, right? <laughs> like we we have to be wanting to find that information. I did just send my entire mailing list their choice of two raccoon videos because it was a poll. And I sent them two raccoon videos and I got so many unsubscribes after that. <laughs> email but i had a great time and i and you know what my most engaged members of my audience were like i cannot believe you just made me watch a raccoon taste test chips and i was like yes i did i wanted to bring a little joy to your day like that's just what i wanted to know but i i got so many unsubscribes after that my marketing director was proud of me he was like god you're being polarizing i'm proud of you <laughs> but no but still that has to have I'm not trying to like negate the point that you just said. I'm actually trying to say like, yes, you can even have your cat videos if it's intentional, right? You use that <laughs> word intent. I use the word strategy, right? If it's strategic, mm -hmm. like if it's purposeful, right? We could use any number of synonyms, but mm -hmm. you have to be conscious of how you're spending your time. Absolutely. And Absolutely. your energy, right? Yeah, because I won't lie. Sometimes I enjoy a crazy cat video. You know what I mean? Because that's what my that's what my that's what my universe needs at that moment, right? Like in that moment, I just need to decompress. So a cat video will do that, right? Like so, it just it really just depends. But at that time, I'm being intentional about watching that cat video. So I do agree with you. Um, it's really it's really about what you are intentionally feeding yourself. But social media has so many amazing resources, right? Like we're both on social media. So clearly there's amazing resources on social media. Hey. I mean, you can't argue that. We are uh, also, no. Keisha, I will say like we are kind of both independently and in our own ways, the human equivalent of cat videos. <laughs> I've never thought about that, but now I'm in, I'm very intensely thinking about that and how true <laughs> I mean, like, I don't think we're like a BuzzFeed cat listicle. Like, I think we have more meat than that. But I definitely think that, like, we bring some cuddly cuteness with our content. Oh, for sure. And Sign me up for like, all that. Double doses of love with everything that we do, right? But that's the other thing that, like, if you have so much passion for what you do, that passion does not have to get lost in how you put yourself out there online. No, not at all. Not if at all. If you are a cat video of a human, then let that care bear love radiate, friends. Let it go. Or if you're a grumpy cat, you let that go too. Grumpy cat also has value. You don't have to be a care bear. It's okay. I totally agree with you in that you have to, in, in going with your gut, you have to make sure that you're showing up as who you actually are. Because um, that's really what's going to hit the nail and help your business move forward, right? Like being who you are and just going with it, right? I, I hate when I see people who only post what I consider to be perfect content. So it's like perfect lighting, perfect <laughs> outfit, perfect makeup, perfect word choice. Like, dude, it's okay to have a typo in a reel. Like it's probably not the best, but, but it's also super natural and real. I cannot st 
understand when all I see is these perfect videos and perfect pictures because that's not reality, especially not in my industry, right? Like I am a business coach. So some days, like some days you're rolling out of bed in your sweats and your hair is all over your head and you're just trying to get through the next 90 minute call. Like, and you're not perfect and you're not all made up and you don't have this suit on and your pearls and all this other jazz that they tell you that you need. So it's okay to show up that way in content. And I think, I think that's the piece that a lot of times people are missing, right? Because we look at other people's stuff and we're like, oh, it has to be that this way. And it's like, no, that's not you. You need to do it your way. One of my favorite and most powerful things I ever did, and it's one of those perfect, typical situations where you do something for your clients and wind up teaching yourself, you know, one of those things. But I had so many clients at one point that were severely video phobic. And I get that. Like, I have body positivity issues. I have vanity issues. I have all the things. Okay. I'm not judging it. But my clients were at the point, a whole big bunch of them, where they would not hit record on a video no matter what they did. And I was like, okay, fine. Here's what we're going to have to do. I'm going to have to take a stand. And so what I did was I took all the makeup that I was wearing that day and I smeared it down my face. I finger teased my hair. I put it all in my face and I put on a sweatshirt and I went live with like makeup all over my face, hair everywhere, sweatshirt on just to be like, look, you're worried you're going to look like crap. I do look like crap. I intentionally made myself look like crap, but I'm going to deliver some great content in this video and y'all are going to see that people are going to love me for looking like crap and they're going to love me for delivering content while I look like crap. It's not always the most professional thing, but it's not going to kill you. And for me, when I did that, I didn't realize that I still had echoes of my own visibility blocks. Well, nothing on earth gets rid of that faster (laughs) than intentionally having mascara on your nose, wearing a sweatshirt with holes in it and going live anyway, right? So, (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm notorious for going live like anywhere. Like sometimes I'm in my car. It just depends. Like wherever, wherever it hits me, I'm like, okay, boom. And sometimes like I'm going to the grocery store. So I really look crazy, like baseball cap on typically one that says something crazy, like dog mom or blessed, right? (laughs) No no makeup on, right? Like just looking crazy, but if, if something hits me, it hits me. And I'm just like, boom, I'm showing up. This is who I am. I need to deliver this to you. It is what it is, you know? It's like we never have to worry about paparazzi when we get extremely famous because we've been our own paparazzi the whole time. Like, hold on. I got to deliver this really important content (laughs) in this tank top and hashtag dog mom hat. Here we go. (laughs) I feel like like paparazzi (laughs) is not even going to bother me because they're just going to be like, she doesn't give a shit anyway. (laughs) Like... Please just, please just let her do her thing. Just, like, you know, just get out of her way. Don't, don't even, don't even, because she's going to embarrass herself on TMZ. So you don't even need to be worried. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting topic too, that I, I know that it's like been so lovely and wandering, but this idea of going with your gut and the idea of embarrassment, I think that's both so precious because I feel like 
you know, going with our gut is scary because it's emotional and intuitive and raw, as opposed to like all the info crack in the world and all the advisors in the world who are going to tell you to do this or that, which which have value. But we're talking about when you're making decisions that are tough for you, go with your gut. But what do you think is the kind of interchange or the relationship between that fear of visibility, fear of authenticity, fear of vulnerability and rejection and going with your gut? Is there a relationship there? So I would think there would have to be, right? Because there's got to be something blocking you from being willing to go with your gut. And typically I believe it's fear of failure, Mm -hmm. fear of rejection, fear of embarrassment. Those are the three that typically uh, I would believe would be what's blocking you. Mm -hmm. So then, so then that bears the question of one of the, one of the things that I think people have taught us over the years that really is is hindering in this sense is the grass isn't always greener on the other side, right? Because going with your gut means leaping to the other side. But the fear factor is saying, don't do that because that might not be good. So I think we have to stop teaching people that the grass isn't greener on the other side, because I think that's directly tied to not being willing to go with your gut out of the fear, embarrassment, or rejection that could be awaiting you once you take the leap. I think that's totally true. One of the best definitions, I have obsessive compulsive disorder. I've talked about it on the show before, but one of the best definitions of anxiety I've ever heard is you playing movies in your head of everything that could go wrong. And because we're trying to prepare ourselves for those inevitabilities that something will go wrong, right? So we're mm-hmm. trying to pre pre-guess. We're trying to guesstimate accurately what is going to go wrong. And I think you're so right where it's like, well, hold on. Why don't you jump over the fence, see what the problem actually is, if there even is one, Mm -hmm. and then adjust accordingly and with intention from there instead of constantly just looking at the fence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. That's exactly it. Mm. That's huge. So how do we... Do you have advice for people who are in not conflict with their advisors or with themselves, but do you do you have any advice or best practices for people who feel like they are doing what you said, that they are turning the volume down on their gut in favor of other input? How do we how do we reverse that? The first thing um, that I believe is important is gaining trust within ourselves Mm. and the way in which we gain trust within ourselves truly is examining past situations. How many times have we been in situations and we're like, Oh goodness, I don't know what to do. This is too much. So on and so forth. We make a decision and everything turns out great. Oh yeah. So many times. However, for some reason we conveniently forget all of that when it comes time to make an additional decision. So instead, <laughs> we, re- we replace those thoughts with, I'm going to mess this up. Oh my goodness, I don't know what to do. And completely negate the fact that we have made decisions in the past that have worked out really freaking well. Yeah, that's but totally 100% true. So we, ha- we have to get in tune with trusting 
ourselves to make decisions. And once we can get in tune with that trust, and again, that, that has so much to do with examining past relationships. I believe in journaling so that you can keep track of decisions that you're making, hurdles that you're jumping, right? So as soon as we begin to do that and put those practices in place, we build the trust. Once we build the trust, then we become like Nike and we just do it, right? Just like we just do it. We make the decision. We go with our gut. And even if it isn't, you know, the best decision, because sometimes it's not right. We still build the appreciation Mm -hmm. for the fact that we did it. And that allows us to even more instill trust in ourselves. And you still have energy to work with, right? Exactly. Right. You still did something. Exactly. You didn't look at a day and go, I sat an entire day in indecision. I did something. Maybe it wasn't the perfect choice, but it got it out there. And now I know there's energy behind it. Right. And all of these different things. And I think that's want to go back to what you said about like we have this revelation of like, hey, I just did it and it worked. But then the next time it comes time to just do it, we're like, oh, I can't just do it. It never works when I just did it. It's like, you just did it yesterday and it worked. Like I do that so much where it's almost like, well, the last time I followed my gut, it worked. And so this time it won't work because of the law of averages. Like, no, that is fake math. That is not real. Like the evidence suggests that when I go with my gut, powerful things happen. It keeps me moving. It gets me out of inertia. Right. But mm-hmm. yeah, you're so right. It's so easy to fall back into the trap of like, well, I'm not going to go with my gut this time because historically it never goes well. It went well yesterday. Right. Right. But we do this to ourselves all the time where we psych ourselves out to believe that we're incapable of making good decisions for ourselves when we've been making good decisions for ourselves for our yeah. entire life because that's why we are where we are. So we have to re- we have to reflect on that more. It's almost like glass half full or glass half empty, right? Mm. You're, you're totally glass half empty if you're saying, well, you know, you're doing your fake math problems or, or, or what have you as to why you're not going to succeed. But you're glass half full if you're like, hey, you know what? I did make a decision yesterday. It was pretty hard, but I did it. So I can do it this time too. For someone who claims to hate math, I do so much fake statistics. <laughs> Just. I love it. I'm addicted to fake statistics. You throw real math at me, I'm like, <laughs> nope. But I'll be like, I think 17% of the time when I follow my gut, it works out. What? Where did that math come from? <laughs> made that up. So what about though, what about when you have well-intentioned advisors, especially people that love you, that encourage you to go against your gut? So here's the thing about advisor, right? Like, let's break that word down, right? It's advice. That's what they're giving you. They're giving you advice. And somewhere along our time on this planet, in this universe, we develop this selfish attitude that if I give you advice, you need to take it. Ooh. That is not true. However, we have conditioned ourselves to believe that if I get advice, I must take advice. But the bottom line is all it is, is advice and advice is a suggestion and you can take it or you cannot take it. But we forget to tell people that you cannot take it. And then the people who are giving it to us, they turn around and get on their high horse and get offended 
when you don't take their advice because they don't understand that there's two sides to the coin, take or not take. If I choose to not take, that's fine. I'm asking you for advice. I'm not asking you for the answer. It's two completely separate things. I think that even is harder when you're paying that person, right? Like to pay <laughs> yeah. someone and then disagree with them, but you're still paying them for their input. You can still take it or leave it. Right. You're paying <clears throat> for advice. You take it or you leave it. You're not paying for the answer. And I think that's where um, a lot of advisors go wrong. They don't allow people to not take the advice because again, somewhere along the lines in this universe, we said, if somebody gives me advice, I have to take their, I have to take it. And if I don't take it, I'm offending them. Yeah. Well, no, I'm paying you for your advice. I'm not paying you for an answer. Right. If I was paying you for an answer, I would have a, you be implementing stuff that I laid out for you. It wouldn't be the other exactly. way around. Exactly. It's the same in my industry, right? Like coaching is a co-creative relationship. Yeah. I can give you a pathway. I can help you. I can hold you accountable. I can do all those things. But if you're not going to show up for yourself, I'm null and void. And that's just the truth behind coaching. If you're not going to show up too, we can't do this. It's co-creative. That means you and I together create your trajectory for the future. If you're not going to be an active participant, I can't help you. It's the same with advising. I'm going to give you advice. Yep. If you choose not to take it, that's okay. But just understand that these are the risks. If you're comfortable with that risk, more than fine with me. Yeah. So here's a curveball, though. Imagine, just imagine what would have happened if Akeem, crown prince of Zamunda, had listened to his advisors over his own gut. That's right. This episode is about coming to America. One of my favorite movies, one of your favorite movies. At date of recording, the sequel is coming out tomorrow. We don't know if it's good. We don't know if it's terrible. We can only sit and pray. But we're talking about the original, the classic. Keisha, what the heck does any of this have to do with coming to America? One. Oh, Annie, I'm so excited to get here. <laughs> <laughs> so in the beginning of coming to America, right, Prince Akeem's parents, the the royal king and queen of Zamunda, had laid out the way in which they felt his life was supposed to go. He was supposed to marry a queen from another place in Africa. They were supposed to get married. They were supposed to have kids. They were supposed to live happily ever after. But Prince Akeem said, no. No. I want to go find my own queen, not someone who you all have picked for me so that I can have real love. And that queen, by the way, the queen potential from the beginning is the absolute quintessential example of not going with your gut because that poor girl has been conditioned that she has no opinions at all, which has become a staple in our house, which is whatever you like. Like, what do you want to eat for dinner? Whatever you like. Like, she has no gut, this poor thing. And Akeem was like, I am not into this gutless beauty queen over here. I'm going to go find a real queen in Queens. <laughs> exactly. And so as we travel through the movie, we see that Akeem came up against a whole lot of hurdles, right? Like, a whole lot. 
We had the nasty apartment in Queens. We had our good, we had our good friends at the barbershop. Yeah. We had Randy Watson and oh my sexual God. chocolate. Sexual chocolate. Oh, I in the pre-chat, I greeted Keisha this morning by singing the Soul Glow theme song, but that doesn't even compare to the joys of sexual chocolate. Oh man. <laughs> the oh, sweet sounds. Of oh, sexual, sexual chocolate. chocolate. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. Oh my goodness gracious. He ran into that. Then he <laughs> ran into, right? Then he ran into the robber at McDowell's. Then right. he ran into the person from Zamunda at the basketball game who almost outed him. <laughs> well, plus crazy Lisa's sister. <laughs> like beautiful, sweet. What's her name? Marie? What's her name? Yes. Oh my God. Like that whole thing. Plus Simi is like, let's act like princes. Let's buy hot tubs. Like his best friend has absolutely no clue what Akeem actually wants. Not a clue. His mom kind of knows. His dad, not a clue. Simi, not a clue. I feel like well, the landlord in Queens knows more about what Akeem <laughs> wants than anybody else in the movie. Well, well, Simi is interesting, too, because he is literally, it's almost like the angel and devil on your shoulder when it comes yeah. to going with your gut, right? Yeah. You have the angel who's like, you can do this. You got this. And then you have Simi who's like, who gives up their gold? Who gives up their cash? Who gives up their hot tubs? Right? Like, he's like, are you crazy? Like, what is happening here? So all these hurdles happen as Akeem is trying to get Lisa. Oh, I love However... That. We all witnessed that in the end, he gets Lisa. So not only does he get a queen, but he gets the true love that he really wants. All because he went with his gut of going to Queens, mm -hmm. literally, <laughs> yep. to get what it was that he was looking for. And so I just think that Akeem is such a significant story uh -huh. as it relates to going with your gut. Because, yeah, sure, there's going to be some hurdles, right? I yeah. mean... For sure. But continue pushing forward with your gut because you're going to hit the end game, which ultimately is your queen and your love, right? Or yeah. if you're in business, your cash and your pesos and your dollars and all that other stuff that you're looking to get. You know what's so interesting is the other thing that really strikes me about Akeem specifically is, yes, go with the gut, follow the gut, spin the globe, queens, that's where we're going. Okay. But also at the same point, Akeem does absolutely everything with earnest, enthusiastic authenticity. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. when he becomes the employee of the month at, at McDowell's, that <laughs> means something to him. Right? Like Lonnie Anderson's like, at this point next week, I might be on fries. Like they're all <laughs> so excited yes. to be contributing in any way. So even when he winds up working valet at the McDowell's party, that's obviously not what he expects or what he wants, but he does it enthusiastically because he's like, look, what are my alternatives to be upset about this? Exactly. Exactly. Or even when, even when he was sweeping out in front of McDowell's and Simi was so pissed, he's like, a, a prince doesn't sweep this sidewalk and this and that. And he's just like, this is my job. This is what I have to do, right? Like everything he does is so oh. authentic and intentional. Even down to even down to the apartment, he tells the apartment owner, we'll take your most meager accommodation. Yep. And Cindy's looking at him like, 
meager. They open it up. There's body tape on the floor. (laughs) Like it's a catastrophe. But he intentionally wanted that because he wanted a woman who was going to fall in love with him for who he was. He didn't Mm -hmm. want it to have anything to do with his money or him being a prince or, you know, Zamunza, none of that. He just wanted someone to be in love with him. I must say, I also love the fact that he cut off his prince's luck. So if you remember, he had that prince's luck and that's how we met our great friends in the barbershop. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> and when he cut that off, that was intentional because he didn't want to stick out, right? Like mm-hmm. everything that he did was very authentic and intentional in order for him to get his ultimate prize, which was a queen who ended up being Lisa. And I think that's freaking amazing because one of the things that I see in coaching specifically, because you and I are both business coaches of different types, but one of the main things that I see in social media that drives me absolutely bonkomatic is this in this, this absolute dominance of I made $300,000 yesterday by sitting in my bathtub. And it's like that those coaches do not want clients to love them for them. Those coaches are acting like simmies. Those coaches want the hot tubs and the gold and for everyone to know that they had the hot tubs and the gold and good for them. That's their path. But I want my clients to be gravitated and magnetized to me for me. I don't want to have them be after me for the three million dollars that they can make by sleeping. Right. That's not that's not my people. I want people who come to me who are ready to put hard work behind their dream and use that Akeem style, earnest, enthusiastic authenticity. That's that's what gets me going with my own business and with the people that I gravitate toward. I couldn't agree with you more Um, simply because this is one of those industries. So first and foremost, you know, our industry is unregulated. So anybody can use the word coach and bloop, they can show you the way. It's like Rafiki know the way, right? <laughs> uh, and, and, and it's it's painful because you're right. Nothing drives me any more mad than a coach who says, come with me. I'll show you how to have your first six-figure month in the next 30 days, right? right? That drives me crazy as well. But that's because they're in it for the money. I'm a firm believer that coaching is a calling, right? Mm. You have to want to work with people and help them develop into their best selves. That is not something that you just do. It's a calling. And so yeah. with that being said, I think for me, I, I, I note it as there's coaches with a calling and then there's coaches with a pocketbook, right? It's two, it's two separate things. And I can shift them out, right? Like really easily. Oh, because yeah. you, can you can tell in their presentation, you can tell in their content, you can tell in how strategic they are right? They use all these cool, colorful buzzwords. Like you need to show up. You need to be authentic. Although authenticity is, is a thing. It does not need to be a constant buzzword, right? I'm getting very tired of inauthentic people telling me to be authentic. Right. It's bullshit. And and that's the problem, right? So I'm with you in the sense that I want my clients to connect with me because they like me. As you know, Annie, I tell everybody, I am only the coach for you if you have appreciation for two people. That's Oprah Winfrey and Cardi B because I'm a cross between the two. (laughs) I love it. 
if you like both of them, you'll like me. If you don't like either, or you just like one, you won't like me. And I'm okay with that because there's a lot of coaches and there may be someone else who I can refer you to. I have no problem referring business. I enjoy referring business, right? And if I'm not a fit for you, that's fine. So I think that to your original point, it is, it is gear grinding that there, there are people who are more semi than Akeem because the Akeems in the world clearly win the race. It's like the tortoise and the hare. It might take him longer, but he's literally going to win the race. I cannot promise anyone that I'm going to help them make six figures in the next 30 days. I cannot. No. Okay. What I can promise you is that I can help you put proper systems in place, yep. that I can help you get your mindset straight, that I can help you get into a space where you feel confident to do it. But I cannot make you a promise that equals dollars or cents. No, 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 none of us can. None of us can. And that's why, it, like you said, it's like totally unregulated. Anybody can say they can make you a million dollars overnight. And if they can, great. Good for them. Not knocking it. But it's just, you know, for me, like it all goes back to that point of co-creation. People hire me to help them learn things in a way that fit them and that they can build upon. It's the foundational piece. It's problem solving and it's co-creation. But I am not in my capacity as sales trainer or your capacity as business coach, it is not something that we could say like, listen, every single person that comes to me will make a million dollars. Number one, we don't know what they're selling, who they're serving, how crowded their market is, what their business savvy is, if they have any, if they've ever sold anything before, if they have a website, there are too many factors to make those kinds of guarantees. And so instead I have a conditional guarantee, which is that if you buy into my program, Or if you hire me and I turn out not to be a right fit for you and we can discuss that and agree upon that mutually, I will refund you. But what I can't do is say, if you haven't made $300,000 by next Tuesday, here's all your money back. I can't do that. (laughs) I would love to make you $300,000 by next Tuesday, but I'm also going to have the authenticity and the strength to tell you that that's highly unrealistic. (laughs) Extremely unrealistic. You are more likely to meet the prince of an African nation working at a fast food restaurant and falling in love with him than you are to follow a guru and make $300,000 by next Tuesday. I'm sorry, but it's true. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. And I, it brings me so much joy that there are other people in the industry like yourself who understand that that's just totally unrealistic and not true. I mean, I don't know if you remember or not, but like five years ago, every coach was on the beach with their laptop. It was like, that's, that's, <laughs> Like, that's how they were selling, right? Like, come to the beach, get on your laptop, make a million dollars. Like, it's like dangling this weird beach carrot. And I'm like, this is so stupid. Like, what is happening here? Like, if you really want to make money in a business, guess what you have to do? Work. Work. I worked for this really powerful coach and her thing was all about bikinis. Like, everything was in bikinis. And the idea and and that, I mean, people were drawn to her, even though some of these people were like, I would never, ever wear a bikini. I don't know what, whatever. The whole time, every time I would talk to people about like their bikini dreams or this or that, I'm like, you are going to get sand in your laptop. (laughs) 
do not get sand in your laptop. Like I was so stuck on. They're like, they're all looking at the big dream. I'm looking at the strategy there. I'm like, y'all, are you going to saran wrap the shit out of your laptop? Because I've seen what sand does to a laptop. I've been to Burning Man with many a laptop. I have watched those suckers die. Heat plus dust heat plus granule particles, that will murder your laptop. So I'm sorry if I'm crushing your dreams, but if you have bikini dreams still, please wrap that laptop up. (laughs) I love it. I love everything. I mean, like even stock photos with like a laptop on a beach, like they make me so uncomfortable. (laughs) Because it's not realistic. Um, However, you know, I think, we would be remiss to not say right now we're in a world that so many people are just in despair that people are capitalizing off of that. And they're taking advantage of the fact that people feel lost. People feel, you know, just, just completely out of sorts. And so folks are taking advantage of that by saying, follow me. I have the key to a million dollars. And People who are in despair right now are like, all right, I'll give it a try. Like they're trying to do anything just so that they can survive. And so that for me is really the biggest issue is the fact that people um, will play on someone else's um, misgiving or, or, or shortcoming. And, um, and those aren't even, you know, the person's fault, right? Like we're just in a very weird time right now where, you know, a lot of people are misplaced and, and things are not looking so great. And so you know, I think we'd be remiss not to at least address that too, right? Like people are literally taking advantage. Yeah. Truly. Truly. Okay. So here's my question. Here's my question for you. You are about to embark on your own coming to America, but it's going to wherever. And you need to get away from all of your advisors, even your beloved husband and your beautiful dog, you need to just get away from everybody. You're going to spin that globe. You're going to hit a thing on it that says, I'm going to go here. Where are you going and what are you seeking next? Where in the world and why? I'm going to Spain. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to Spain because number one, I lived there for a year where I taught English. Um, And so I'm very familiar with the atmosphere. And one thing that I absolutely love about Spain is the, the realness in the people. So when I lived in Spain, um, I lived in a small town uh, about an hour outside of Madrid called Burgos and very small, very small town. There's a cathedral in the middle of the town and pretty much everyone walked everywhere, right? Like, cause it was just that small of a town. So the streets would be crowded though, right? Because uh, in, in a lot of towns in Spain, um, they're surrounded with high rise, uh, what they call pisos, but we would call apartments, right? Mm-hmm. So there could be, you know, 100, 200 apartments in 10 buildings going down the street. So although the towns are small, they're very overcrowded. So you would be walking in the streets and people would be bumping into you left and right. And no one ever said, excuse me. And so as an American, initially, I'm like, is nobody going to say, excuse me, like what's happening here? But what I came to realize was they don't sweat the small stuff. Mm. So 
in their brains, right? They process it as there's a hundred million people on the street. Like, of course, we're going to bump into each other. It's no reason to keep on saying. And they don't mean insult. Like they don't mean insult or damage by it. They don't. They don't see it as them hurting you. So why would they apologize? Exactly. Not in any way because it's such a normal thing because there's so many people walking. And so what I would be seeking by going back there is that level of peace Mm. and understanding to know that things are not always meant with malice. Oh, oh, things are not always meant with malice. Oh, oh, I just got full body chills. All right, but hold on. There's another part of this. You go back to your small village in Spain, and in order to get the full Akeem experience, you have to take an entry-level minimum wage job and become employee of the month. What job do you get? I'm working at Telepizza. Okay. Telepizza is the very first um, mobile pizza place in Spain, right? So like now, of course, they have Domino's and Pizza and stuff. But prior to that, they only had this place called Telepizza. And it is the coolest job ever because you get to ride around the town on a motorized bike with your (laughs) pizza on the back. It's so cool, right? It's so cool. And and they have like all these cool little shops set up like all over the town. I know that it's definitely a minimum wage job, but I would totally just want to do it for the motorized bike. Which is also really an interesting choice considering you just said the streets are so crowded. So what I hear now is this, Keisha wants to go to Spain to mow people down lovingly with pizza. Yes. Yes. I love it. I absolutely love it. Well, before, if for any reason you do go back to Spain, Keisha, what is the best way, social media or otherwise, for our listeners to start a conversation with you? So first and foremost, I want to be very clear in saying that if you engage with me anywhere, I don't care where it is, like I'm always going to answer you, just make sure that you're direct. Let me know how I can support you. Oftentimes, I feel like when people begin a conversation with me, it's it's very surface level, uh, especially like in my DMs. Like it's very much like, hi, how are you today? And so then I give a stock response, like, I'm wonderful. How are you today? Right? (laughs) We don't have to do that with each other. Okay. I am a very real, honest, direct person. So please, if you're going to engage with me in conversation, just be super direct with me. Like, Hey girl, business is shitty. Need some help. Cause then I know you're my people. Cause number one, you're direct. And number two, cuss. And I do a lot of cussing. So with that being said, I, I would love if you're just raw and honest with me. And then two, you know, let me, let me know, like, if you are seriously interested in like working together, or if you just have some questions, because I do pride myself on being a resource. Everything for me doesn't have to be a dollar. So if you really just have some genuine questions, like I'm open to that, you can DM me on Instagram. You can, you can DM me on LinkedIn. You can DM me anywhere. You can email me. You can visit my website. However it is that you want to do it. I'm at Life Coach Quiche everywhere in the world. Everywhere. In the world. Uh, so, so if you want to do that, that's fine. Um, but just know that like everything for me is not about the money. So if you just have some questions and maybe I drop some content that, you know, 
hit you in a very special place, you know, let me know that. And and we can talk through it further. I, I, it doesn't have to be a program. Thank you so much for being here today. My beautiful queen, my queen, my queen. Thank you for letting, how many times can I do this? Thank you for letting your soul glow on my show. Thank you. Because for- it's oh, so silky smooth. <laughs> well, you are. <laughs> you are. You are. I mean, you're no sexual chocolate, but you're damn close, girl. My God. <laughs> oh, everybody, this has been the one, the only life coach, Keisha, a.k.a. my Keisha, my queen. Everybody, I will be back in just a second with my final thoughts and your homework for the week. Well, hey there, listeners. It's hard out here on these internet streets, as Keisha calls them. Authentic connections and valuable content are buried under mountains of shiny bullshit and bad advice. How can we rise above the noise? This week, your homework is to take a constructively critical look at your social media platforms and strategies. Now, two key points there, constructively critical, meaning don't be an asshat to yourself as it will accomplish absolutely nothing, and use your own two eyes for this assessment. Not an expert, not even Keisha the Magnificent. So much of this episode became about honoring our own voice and style and how hard that can be when we are constantly bombarded with shoulds and have tos. You must be on Snapchat. You can't post more than once on Instagram per day. You have to post selfies constantly. You should never, ever skip a day or reuse content. Blah, blah, blah. You've heard them all. In certain situations, all of this advice has merit, but that doesn't mean they are the correct choice for you. So look at your own accounts. Do they reflect your true voice and your value? Look at your strategy. Are you spreading yourself too thin? or staying too much in hiding? Are you creating the kind of content you want to experience? Are you being true to your uniqueness and your dream in the things that you post? How might the world benefit from more of unfiltered, unrehearsed, unleashed you? Too Legitimate to Quit is brought to you by the Non-Sleazy Sales Academy and me, Annie P. Ruggles. What if you never had to sell alone again? If you always felt safe and seen and supported in selling situations because you only had to show up as your best and also most ordinary self. You can profit just by being you without one gimmick, one inch of sleaze. To find out more about our membership, visit www.nonsleazy.com. That's N-O-N-S-L-E-A-Z-Y.com. Too Legitimate to Quit is written and hosted by me, Annie Passanisi Ruggles. Our editor and producer is Andrew Sims of Hypable. Our incredible earworm of a theme tune was composed and performed by Riley Horbasio. Our beautiful show art is by Francois Vigneault. And my beautiful, wonderful, amazing creative director, Georgia Curran, handles my social media accounts with care. Listen, I would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear how your homework is going, what you think of the show, or what topics 
topics you'd love to see covered here. Feel free to reach out to me on any platform with messaging, but the best for me are LinkedIn, where you'll find me under my name, Annie P. Ruggles, or on Instagram, where you'll find me at Anniepreneur. And please don't forget to send this show to people that you think would benefit or to drop us a review wherever you listen to podcasts that really helps our show grow. Until next week, remember, you're too legit to quit.